<clears throat> Master Hakawin's chant in praise of Zazen. From the very beginning all beings are Buddha. Like water and ice, without water no ice, outside us no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water crying, I thirst. Like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. How can we be free from birth and death? The gateway to freedom is Zazen Samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana. Upholding the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living all come from Zazen. <clears throat> Thus one true Samadhi extinguishes evils. It purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then where are the dark paths to lead us astray? The pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And when we turn inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self, our own self is no self, we go beyond ego and pass clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three, straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form, and going and returning we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought, our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi! How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom! What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land, and this very body, the body of Buddha. <coughs> this is May 31st, 2020, and uh, we uh, are have reached something like 103,000 coronavirus deaths just in this country alone. We lead the world. How about that for a ignominious distinction? And so I want to end the Taisho with uh, a reading of the memorial prayer, the memorial prayer which is at the heart of the memorial service, uh, standard Buddhist memorial service. Uh, but before I get to that, I find myself compelled to comment on the very real um, heartache I feel uh, this morning, even more than yesterday, at what's going on in the cities of our country. Cities are in flames. Uh, I read <clears throat> this morning very briefly that uh, violent demonstrations broke out in uh, more than two dozen cities around the United States. 
during my sitting this morning, I found that I had a lot of thoughts coming up about what in hell is going on now. It's a it's a extremely fluid, volatile state uh, now that's arisen since the death of uh, George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police and, uh, of course, all the others before him. It's more clear than ever that our system of justice, so-called justice, more than that, our institutions, our social fabric, are undergoing terrible strain, more so than we've seen, I think, since the Vietnam War, the, the violent protests and the demonstrations during that era. And this is, well, we'll see how sustained this is. It might prove to be worse. There are millions and millions of people who are angry, millions of people who are in pain. This uh, destruction of property and rioting that we've seen, especially in the last uh, several days, <coughs> it's an epidemic of outrage and anguish. And I, and, and, and I see it as something that mirrors the decades of misuse of police and other government authority against people of color, just decades, centuries. It's an, it's an eruption of frustration by those who have every right to feel aggrieved. These people have been enduring pain for so long in so many crushing ways that of course they're frustrated. Who wouldn't be? Really, they're they're, they're acting very much like they have nothing to lose because they don't. They've lost almost everything, especially now with all the losses that have, have spun out from this pandemic, massive unemployment, uh, unable to pay rent, being evicted, homelessness, joblessness, poverty, and meanwhile, the stock market purrs along, resilient in a way that is just all but incomprehensible. The, the disparity. I have to say, if I were a young black man today, without a meditation practice at least, I'm afraid I would also be out there rioting. 
because what else do you do when the institutions of the society have failed you? People of color are fighting for their lives and risking their lives because they risk becoming more victims of police violence. But they hurt their cause by violence. How so? Well, first of all, it provokes forces of fear and reactivity by those who can't understand how long and relentlessly African Americans especially have been oppressed, ground down by injustice. (coughs) I'm afraid it's a mistake, the violence Uh, because it doesn't help. It hurts. And this is why, because it, it detracts from the righteousness of their cause. It clouds the, the moral clarity of the matter. And it gives us white people an excuse to focus on the violence and not on what spawns the violence. It's easy to recite the mantra, violence is not the answer, because it's true. It's easy to say it because it's true. Violence begets violence. But if in saying that, we're referring, referring only to the destruction of property and other, the other random public violence that we're we're seeing now, it's been reported on so widely. It's an incomplete statement. And so it's not fully true. What about the less theatrical violence of unrelenting injustice, crippling injustice, Centuries of wrongful convictions by all-white juries, lynchings, excessive jail sentences for drug offenses and other nonviolent crimes. Even these uh, cash bail bond laws where you can get stopped for having a tail light out and spend weeks or months in jail because you can't pay the uh, bail, the cash bail. (coughs) No, violence is not the answer. And those of us who will be called to participate in public protests, public demonstrations, have to be clear not to inflame violence by, by sticking around if the demonstration turns violent. There's something so <sighs> lurid, exciting in a lurid way about being in these demonstrations. I, I talked uh, not long ago about my own 
involvement in a uh, public protest, violent protest in uh, Ann Arbor when I was in college. It's, um, it's thrilling. It is. It's awful and it's thrilling at the same time. And it can be very hard to walk away from something like that. <clears throat> but in my experience, the more people who are just hanging around, even if they're not participating in the violence, the more it in tends to <coughs> incite uh, this general out-of-control things that are happening. <clears throat> I'm going <clears throat> to be looking myself to participate in such demonstrations, peaceful demonstrations. But uh, if because of a minority of people in those, if, if, if a minority of people at those demonstrations start to uh, throw rocks or start torching things, uh, I think the best thing is just to leave not likely to be able to reason with people. So no, violence is not the answer. But then what is the answer? I don't know. What's the answer when when our our government uh, the three branches of government are failing us. Well, at least two of the three, for sure, two of the three. The, the executive branch, the president and the rest of the executive branch is feverish and corrupt. Congress, from everything I've read, is, is lazy. What do they work? Two and a half week, weekdays, even before the pandemic. Week, week, work weeks of two and a half days, and they're now they've been paralyzed for so long, and uh, corrupt in their own ways. The uh, judiciary uh, it's a more complicated picture. These. Uh, these, this violence that's erupted, um, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a symptom of a national disease. Uh, you can even think of it as, you know, I see, in my mind's eye, I see all over, in a, a map of the United States, you see uh, all of these flashpoints in cities, these two dozen or more cities all over the country, see them as like a rash. If we think of um, our country as an organism, and it is, then this is a rash that, that, that signals that something is, is sick. We are sick. And uh, it even occurred to me that we can, we can see that these, these national ideals that we have of, of justice and with liberty and justice for all uh, and how, how much they are being betrayed, how long they've been betrayed. 
that these these ideals, to the extent that they're not just ideal, they're, they're the extent that they're working, they're like uh, our lungs of this organism we call the United States. It's uh, it's our respiration. Another word for respiration is inspiration. We can use that word as uh, the the opposite of exhalation. There's exhalation, there's inspiration. And we can rightfully draw inspiration from these fundamental principles of liberty and justice and equality. This is what these are things, if they're working, that deliver oxygen to our blood. But have we reached the point as a nation where we're in on that life support, mechanical ventilation? To uh, get back to the pandemic, boy, would have thought it hard to to have anything come up that uh, eclipsed the pandemic in terms of our attention. Well, all this, all of this violence has done that for now, but. Behind it all, there there is this this pandemic, and it and it, it, the pandemic itself is a symptom of disease, a kind of a organ failure on a global scale. And so we find ourselves having crossed the <coughs> death toll of a hundred thousand. There are those who, who say reports that there really are more than a hundred thousand. I mean, more than the whatever it is. What's ever reported now? One hundred and three. How do you keep track of all these numbers? That there are even more than that. One hundred and ten. One hundred and thirty thousand deaths. And it seems only suitable that we hit the pause button and really take this in. It's hard to <clears throat> really grasp this because because of the numbers. Numbers are abstractions. We know how quickly statistics become tiresome because they have no there's nothing concrete in them. And yet, to everyone who's lost someone close to them, it is very, very real. How do you, how do you get your mind around that times 110,000? <coughs> well, one way... Uh, that the New York Times came up with is to actually print those 100,000 names. 
remarkable thing that they did. This was uh, a week ago. They sent out dozens of researchers and reporters and uh, and then printed in, in, in tiny print by necessity in, in front page print the names of these hundred thousand. Of course, uh, the front page, both even even the full front page of the Sunday New York Times doesn't give you enough space to for all the names so they continue and in inside in several pages inside filling all those pages i thought what i would do just in hopes that we can all relate more to what is beyond the numbers to what is within the numbers is just randomly pick out a bunch of these names, <coughs> literally with my finger, just stabbing. I haven't, I haven't chosen any of these. And it, with with each name in bold print, tiny bold print, they have one phrase following it uh, to ever so slightly flesh out these a hundred thousand names. So let me do that. I'm just going to do it and and hopefully this will be meaningful, more meaningful. So here we go, turning on my light because the print is so small. Okay, Ruth Skaponik, 85. Backyard birds were known to eat from her hand. Martin Douglas, 71. Maestro of a steel pan band. Alice Chavdarian, 92, Michigan, loving, generous, and adventurous spirit. Lee Srebny, Seattle, preferred bolo ties to neckties, suspenders to belts. Anne Youngerman Smoller had a passion for social justice. Richard Passman, rocket engineer in the early days of supersonic flight. John Cofrasesco, administrator at a nursing facility. Cornelius Lawyer, Sharecropper's son. Fernando Mitliff, graffiti artist with a generous spirit. This is killing me. Stanley Morse, trombonist who once turned down an offer to join Duke Ellington's orchestra. Denise Buczek loved writing birthday and holiday cards, poems, and lists. That's just a few in the up, up, upper half of the page. I hope you don't mind my reading some more.
Rose Mary Infantino, daughter of Italian immigrants. James V. Walsh volunteered his time to church car raffles, fundraisers, and picnics. Mary Roman, shot put champion and fixture in local politics. Robert Earl Schaefer, radiologist, woodworker, artist, and scholar. Harold Upjohn conducted clinical research at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Julian Anguiano Maya, Life of the Party. Ronnie Estes, Always Wanted to Be Near the Ocean. This is interesting. John Timothy Barr, Rochester, Michigan, trustee for the retired Detroit Police and Firefighters Association. Frank Hudson Jr. awarded the National Defense Medal for serving during the Korean War. Michael Rotniak Jr brought the family to church every week. Marcus Edward Cooper, he loved his wife and said, yes, dear, a lot. <laughs> Claudia Obermiller from Nebraska, deep-hearted country girl. Susan Rokas, reading tutor, focused on student success. John Joseph Reed, passionate about retaining his town's small town atmosphere. Sandra Piotrowski, worked as a meat cutter for Jewel Supermarkets. Thomas Reel was at peace on his Harley. Susan Gray Hop Crowfoot took great joy in writing little ditties under her pen name, Penelope Penwiper. Robert Crayon, nicknamed Boxcar Bob, for his luck in shaking dice. Oh, I could I could keep going, but I don't want to push my luck. I don't want to lose you. So I'm setting aside this newspaper and <coughs> we'll now turn to the memorial prayer. Before reading it aloud, I want to read a different translation. Our memorial prayer was was a, lifted from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and um, we adapted it. Uh, Roshi Kaplow and his helpers adapted it a long time ago. I 
change just a couple little things. But I'm going to read a, a little bit fuller translation of it. This translation was from 1975. Uh, the translators are f listed as Fremantle and Trungpa. We call it the memorial prayer here. In this translation, it's called Inspiration Prayer, Calling on the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas for Rescue. And then there's a little forward. At the time of one's death, one should always call on the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas for rescue. One should make material and mental offerings to the three jewels and holding fragrant incense in one's hand, say these words with intense power of concentration. <coughs> Before we get to the words, what do we mean by Buddhas and Bodhisattvas? We don't mean beings who are outside us. Everything is mind. We are calling on the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of our own nature. Buddhas, the enlightened ones, Bodhisattvas, also enlightened ones, but in particular devoted to helping others. We're we're opening our hearts of wisdom and compassion when we're doing this. Don't get, don't get distracted by what you may see as supernatural. This is us. And the whole point of a memorial service and a funeral service is the same in this respect, is to do everything we can to help the deceased find their way through the intermediate state of existence on their way to rebirth. <coughs> yes, funeral memorial service in Buddhism is based on rebirth. There's no getting around that. Uh, and when we draw our last breath, then we enter this realm Tibetans call the bardo, where we are exceedingly vulnerable. We don't have the, the mental coherence and the ego strength to defend ourselves. And so we, we find our way into this realm uh, where we are defenseless, where we are really at the mercy of our karma. But I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the the translation um, to help help us understand better what the memorial prayer is. So, O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas dwelling in the ten directions, compassionate, all-knowing, <clears throat> with the five kinds of eyes, loving, protectors of all sentient beings, come to this place by the power of compassion and accept these material and mental offerings. So, candles, incense, other offerings, tea. So this is a, a calling out, a summoning of the better angels of our nature, let's put it that way. O compassionate ones, you possess understanding wisdom, loving compassion, effective action, and protecting power beyond the reach of thought. 
oh, compassionate ones, this person, in, in, or these hundred thousand people, are going from this world to the other shore. They are leaving their world. They are dying without choice. They have no friends. They're suffering greatly. They have no refuge. They have no protector. They have no allies. The light of this life has set. They are going to another world. They are entering dense darkness. They're falling down a deep precipice. They are entering a thick forest, pursued by the power of karma, entering a great wilderness. They are swept away by a great ocean. They are driven on by the wind of karma. They are going where there is no solid ground. They are embarking on a great battle. They are seized by the great evil spirit, terrified by the messengers of the Lord of Death, entering existence after existence because of their karma. They are helpless. Their time has come when they must go on alone without a friend. This thing about the Lord of Death, the evil spirit, is just a vivid, vivid way, of, a kind of personalizing way of expressing <coughs> uh, the fact that um, we really are at the mercy of our thoughts, all of the thoughts, words, and deeds of our lifetime and previous lifetimes. This other translation continues, O compassionate ones, be a refuge to them. I'm changing the singular pronouns, him and her, to them for today's memorial prayer, the hundred thousand or more. Be a refuge to them who have no refuge. Protect them, defend them. Keep them from the great darkness of the bardo. Turn them aside from the great hurricane of karma. Protect them from the great fear of the Lord of Death. Deliver them from the long and dangerous pathway of the bardo. O compassionate ones, do not let your compassion be small. Rescue them. Do not let them go to the three lower realms. That's the realms of uh, the lowest realms of unenlightened existence, hellish realms, uh, hungry ghosts and thirsty spirit realm, and uh, animal realm. Do not forget your former vows, but quickly send out the power of your compassion. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, do not let your compassion and skillful means for them be small. Seize them with compassion. Do not let a sentient being fall into the power of evil karma. In other words, <coughs> even though we are at the mercy of our karma, still there is this other element where we can help them. We can plead with something beyond karma, beyond causation. <coughs> All right, here is the memorial prayer, a little more pared down uh, that will be familiar to many of you who've taken part in these. I'll just uh, read it three times through and then we'll close. 
again, this is for the, we could say, not just the hundred and some thousand in this country, but why limit it to this country? Think of all the, all of those who have died all over the world and the, 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 the tears in their wake, the millions maybe, millions, if you think of all the family members and friends, millions of people who have gone through anguish uh, from these victims of the coronavirus. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, abiding in all directions, endowed with great compassion, endowed with love, affording protection to sentient beings, consent through the power of your great compassion to come forth. O compassionate ones, you who possess the wisdom of understanding, the love of compassion, the power of protecting an incomprehensible measure, these hundreds of thousands are passing from this world to the next. They are taking a great leap. The light of this world has faded for them. They have entered solitude with their karmic forces. They've gone into a vast silence. They are borne away by the great ocean of birth and death. O oh, compassionate ones, protect them who are defenseless. Be to them like a father and a mother. O oh, compassionate ones, let not the force of your compassion be weak, but aid them. Forget not your ancient vows. Rousing. Here we're rousing the mind. Awakening our compassionate heart. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, abiding in all directions, endowed with great compassion, endowed with love, affording protection to sentient beings, consent through the power of your great compassion to come forth. O compassionate ones, you who possess the wisdom of understanding, the love of compassion, the power of protecting an incomprehensible measure, these hundreds of thousands are passing from this world to the next. They are taking a great leap. The light of this world has faded for them. They have entered solitude with their karmic forces. They've gone into a vast silence. They're borne away by the great ocean of birth and death. O oh, compassionate ones, protect them. They're defenseless. Be to them like a father and a mother. O oh, compassionate ones, let not the force of your compassion be weak, but aid them. Forget not your ancient vows. And then we usually do things three times running in Buddhist ceremonies because it's so easy the first time and even the second time to be distracted, to not be fully involved. Let's give it one more shot here. Oh, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas abiding in all directions, endowed with great compassion, endowed with love, affording protection to sentient beings, consent through the power of your great compassion to come forth. Oh, compassionate ones, you who possess the wisdom of understanding, the love of compassion, the power of protecting an incomprehensible measure. These hundreds of thousands are passing from this world to the next. They're taking a great leap. 
the light of this world has faded for them. They have entered solitude with their karmic forces, gone into a vast silence. They're borne away by the great ocean of birth and death. O oh, compassionate ones, protect these many who are defenseless. Be to them like a father and a mother. O oh, compassionate ones, let not the force of your compassion be weak, but aid them. Forget not your ancient vows. <coughs> and now, four of those ancient vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain. <clears throat> 